By the time Howard Wine moved to Philadelphia in March of 2004, he already had a lot of experience in, in the hospitality industry, writes Jonah Berger in his book, Contagious, Why Things Catch On. He'd earned an MBA in hotel management, helped Starwood Hotels launch the, the W brand, but, but he was done with big. He yearned for smaller, restaurant-friendly, focused environments. So he moved to Philly to design and to launch a new luxury boutique steakhouse called Barclay Prime. The concept was simple. Barclay Prime was going to deliver the, the best steakhouse experience imaginable. The restaurant is located in the toniest part of downtown Philadelphia. It's dimly lit entry. It's paved with marble. Instead of traditional dining chairs, patrons rest on these plush cushions. The menu offers delicacies like truffle-whipped potatoes. But Wren knew good food and great atmosphere wouldn't be enough. After all, the thing restaurants are best at is going out of business. More than 25% fail within 12 months. So what actions did Wine do to increase his odds of success? What, what decisions did he make? This morning, we, as we begin a new year, we, we launch a new series called Seven Decisions, a study of the apostles. And over the coming weeks, we will, we will reflect on seven decisions to help us to shape this year and to make it one of our best relationally and vocationally and, and spiritually. I wonder, have you made a, a New Year resolution? Or a New Year, maybe we call it hoping or wishing. Most of us do. As Tatiana Sloshberg notes, New Year's resolution suggests this faith we have in the future. If we do this thing, we tell ourselves our 2020 selves will look better or feel better than our 19, 2019 selves. There's an acknowledgement that, that change is possible and we're capable of making it happen. Even though studies show most of us give up by the end of February. Now to perhaps approach this desire for change, for a better life, for a better version of ourselves from, from a different angle, I'd like to put forward the idea of making these seven decisions in 2020. In particular decisions that are inspired by what we call in the Christian faith, apostle. Because we are all making decisions all the time, are we not? Studies show we, we make about 35,000 remotely conscious decisions each day. And up to 226 decisions each day are made regarding food. Showed Cornell University. We make decisions about what to wear, what to believe, what jobs and career choices we pursue, what we will say and how we say it. Have you ever considered the, the number of decisions that you make? What I'd like to suggest this morning as we begin a new year is there are these seven decisions the Bible suggests we consider. And what are those decisions? 
A month ago, Lynn and I were in Ann Arbor, and we stopped in a bookstore, and I was struck by a cover that depicted the icons of the 12 apostles. The book was by Tom Bissell, and he writes, From 2007 to 2010, I, I traveled to their supposed tombs and, and their resting places. Popular understanding holds that after Jesus' ascension, the, these 12 moved to establish Christian churches throughout the Roman world and beyond. But the exact history of these 12, as it turns out to the passage of time, is hard to pin down. Bissell observes in many ways they have wandered into this strange glooming between history and belief. Yet what we do know is after the Gospels, after Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John, the 12 are are featured prominently in the first few chapters of the next book in the Bible called the Acts of the Apostles, where divided tongues of fire rested on each of them. These 12 then go on to perform signs and wonders, but then, except for a few appearances, they sort of disappear from the Bible. So in order to piece the information about these 12, it helps to go back to the Gospels to discern who they were, what actions they took, what decisions they made in their lives, to help us better understand what it looks like to live as a follower of Jesus Christ. So what actions did Howard Wine do to increase the odds of success of his restaurant? What decisions did he make? Well, Berger notes, like most businesses, restaurants have a huge awareness problem. Just getting the word out that a new restaurant has opened, much less that it's worth eating at, is, it's an uphill battle. Wine knew that he needed to create some buzz because Philadelphia already had dozens of expensive steakhouses. So what Wine realized is he needed something to get people talking. The idea he came up with was the $100 cheesecake. Now, if you've been to Philadelphia or a fan of a cheesesteak, then you know it's not really fine dining. (laughs) The recipe is usually a hoagie roll, some chopped steak cooked on a griddle, topped with provolone, a few onions, and it costs usually around $5. But why knew that the key to his success was what we call word of mouth. So what goes into a $100 cheesesteak, I bet you're wondering. Well, wine started with a fresh house-made brioche roll brushed with homemade mustard. He added thinly sliced Kobe beef, marbleized to perfection, caramelized onions, heirloom tomatoes. All this was topped off with shaved truffles and butter-poached Maine lobster tail. The response, Berger notes, was incredible. People just didn't try the sandwich. Can you guess what happened? They rushed to tell other people that they had tried the sandwich. The Wall Street Journal picked it up. Others did too. The Discovery Channel filmed a segment of the best food ever show on the $100 cheesesteak. 
So why do some products, ideas, and behaviors succeed while others might fail? Well, in Berger's opinion, the game changer is simply word of mouth. Don't we tell friends about great vacation destinations we found, or good deals, or a great new restaurant? What this all adds up to is studies show word of mouth is the primary factor behind up to 50% of the purchase decisions that we make. Does that ring true in your experience? Are, are your decisions affected by what friends and, and family members or even a stranger recommends? Is that information contagious in the best sense of that word? As I read Berger's book this week, I began to think of the first uh, apostle in our series, Andrew. Now, it might help to know the Greek word for apostle means one who is sent, someone who carries a message, like an envoy. And in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10, Andrew is named as one of these 12. And it's helpful to know Andrew's name is not Hebrew, which is interesting, foreshadowing his future path in life, as names often do. Andrew's name actually means to be, to be brave or to be bold and full of valor. Jesus instructs these apostles in Matthew chapter 10 to boldly proclaim the message that the kingdom of heaven has come near. But where we are most fully introduced to Andrew is actually in the first chapter of John's gospel that Ingrid read, our, our reading for the morning as we hear our people come up to John the Baptist inquiring if he was the Messiah. He says he's not. He's there to prepare the way of the Lord. Then suddenly that prophecy comes true as in John's gospel, named not after John the Baptist, but an author named John. Jesus comes to him and and John says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It's quite a moment if you think about it. Their mothers were related. Angels had given each of them, John and Jesus, these specific roles in the unfolding drama of human salvation. Here they meet for the first time, John likely wearing that camel hair shirt, if you remember, the leather belt. Maybe he had a pouch for the wild honey and the locusts that he liked, his exotic food of choice. Before him stood Jesus, likely John could see in Jesus Mary's eyes. Life in our world would never be the same after they met. Then John records how the next day John was with two of his disciples, and when Jesus saw, when Jesus was passing by, John said, Look, the Lamb of God and And when two disciples who were with John the Baptist heard him say that, they they began to follow Jesus. And turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? And they said, Rabbi, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and, and they spent that day together. Andrew Simon Peter's brother was one of those two. The first thing Andrew did was to try to find his brother, Simon, and to tell him, we have found the Messiah, and he brought him to Jesus. 
When Lynn and I began to work in churches in the mid-1990s or so, the quip was often made, studies showed that the typical Presbyterian or Protestant invited someone to church once every 27 years. But what did Andrew do immediately after encountering Jesus? Went to tell someone. He went to find his brother and said, we have found the Messiah. Jesus would go on to say to Peter and to Andrew, follow me. And and these two brothers became fishers of men. And as one writer notes, while, while Peter would go on to tell the story of Jesus to crowds, Andrew did it to individuals. And although details are, as Bissell puts it, in that strain blooming between history and faith, tradition maintains that after Jesus' death, Andrew started churches all over the world. He eventually became the patron saint of Romania and Ukraine, Russia, and Scotland. Which brings us to the first decision the apostles invite us to make in 2020. And that is to make the decision to become an Andrew. And in the spirit of his name, to to bravely and to boldly tell someone about the rabbi, the Messiah, you have experienced in your own life. I wonder, have you ever done that? Have you done it in the last 27 years? Because the way the word, using John's gospel's linking of of the word as an expression of God, is spread is through word of mouth. That's the best way for, for a good idea and good news to be shared. As I was finishing this sermon yesterday evening, I have to share I suddenly panicked. Why? I suddenly realized Jonah Berger wrote his book back in 2013. And it occurred to me, well, maybe Barclay Prime had gone out of business. (laughs) Maybe that $100 cheesesteak was just a, a flare, a fashion that then died out. So I did a search. And you know, they're still in business. And that cheesecake sandwich is still on the menu. However, today it costs $120. The recipe includes foie gras and onions and all kinds of other things. So my prayer as we begin this new year, as we all come to realize the good news of Jesus Christ is way better news to share with someone than that crazy sandwich. And may we be open, I pray, to be inspired by Andrew's life and to become an apostle, an envoy with the message. We have found the Messiah, and then, like Andrew did for Peter, to bring them to Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.